<laughs> your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Just Show podcast, everybody. Episode 39. Three uh, I'm bringing on a guest this week that I have known for uh, 20 years. 20 years. We met years and years ago when we first signed, when Brand New Sin signed to their first record label. It was a record label out of uh, New Jersey called Now or Never Records. And it was a very small operation. Owner, general manager, a couple other cats that worked there. He worked there. Uh, it's a buddy named Michael Scandato. Uh, he has been a part of the New York City music scene, especially the hardcore scene for a number of years. I really want to talk about that on this podcast because uh, um, he's he's been in it for a long time. And if you guys don't know much about the New York City hardcore scene, it is one of the most uh, um, interesting, one of the most um, intense, one of the most, you know, it, it is a genre in and of itself. Hardcore is a genre in it of itself, but the New York City hardcore where it stemmed from is something else. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about our days at Now or Never Records. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Michael Scandato. I did a, uh, you know, a little intro as to, you know, what, what we were going to yap about, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and how I, how I got to meet you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, and then it's just like, man, all the memories started like coming back. I'm like, man, I remember the first time we went to New York city. I remember coming up to that now or never office. And it was just like, it was you, <laughs> you and Dustin and Matt yeah. and, and mm-hmm. Dave and you, it was the yeah. four of you, you know? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't and remember what you, Brian. Yeah. Brian and, Corcoran, maybe. Yeah. Yes. And Brian, I'm like, who's the other guy? There was one other dude. And I was like, I can't remember who the hell it was, you know? So and I'm like, but I know that like, you know, Matt was the owner, Dustin was GM and, but I couldn't remember, I can't remember what was your title at now or never. Oh, I was a sales manager. I was a sales, uh, sales guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. And, uh, I, I had started working for Matt in the summer of 2001. I was working at red distribution for two years, which is now the orchard. Yeah. Um, and I lost my job, I think in the spring of 01 and me and Matt, man, we became friends because Matt was playing my band on his radio show in, in Louisiana. I forget the name of of the radio show. Uh, he he was an inhuman fan and I was also a, a college radio DJ back then. Yeah. And, um, we just met like in the music industry. I think someone introduced us. I, I can't remember who it was in the late nineties. Like I knew Matt before I started working there for about a year or so, a year or two, actually, I already knew who he was. So, you know, things are, things are a little fuzzy from that time period, but I do know I started working for Matt in maybe June, July, 2001. And I would take the very long train ride from uh said Bay, Brooklyn, to uh to jersey um like he was like way out in jersey at one point until he moved the office to jersey city which was significantly closer to brooklyn well was he was and, he down uh, in red was he near red bank where he was from yes red oh bank yeah God. i couldn't think of it jesus that was yeah, a long train <laughs> and i'm like man that was a long drive let alone a train ride but matt was i mean he had a lot of drive and it was uh, we were working out of his 
think his dad's business had an extra room or an extra office and we were working on it there. And man, he was just super determined that it was me, him and Brian Corcoran. And, um, one day, you know, we all go look at the space in Jersey city at, in August, I believe of 2001. And, you know, we, he got that space and then nine 11 happened. Yeah. <laughs> and what's really weird is that my 9-11 story coincides with working there because every morning I would take the train from Brooklyn and World Trade would be where I got the path train to go to now Never's office every morning. Wow. But since it was a music industry job, music industry is more like a 10 to 6 than a 9 to 5. Right. And I, I, we would have to be at the office by 10. And I wouldn't really leave Brooklyn until about quarter to nine, uh, you know, that was when and all hell was starting to break loose. Right. It was right around that time. One, 100%. Wow. And I always think, you know, every, every September 11th, I think that if, if I worked a different job and, you know, and if the, if the office kept different hours, what could have been, you know, yeah. it's just it was very weird. I mean, I watched the second plane hit the tower, you know, in my living room as I was about to head out the door to go to work. You know, and it, it was just, it's just kind of surreal. Like, and then it, that was a Tuesday and then by, I don't know, Thursday or Friday, or maybe even that Monday, we were back in the office in Jersey city, but it was just such a weird time. Yeah. And like, it, it's weird how I connect now or never nine eleven and all of you guys, you know, <laughs> to, to, together. Well, it's really well, weird. I, I do too. In this regards, and it's really weird because the last, the podcast, two couple podcasts ago, I had Lennon Murphy on and she had a 9-11 story because her record from Eris to Records dropped on that day. And we got to talk about 9-11. The weird thing, my 9-11 story, obviously I wasn't in New York City, but I, I literally had just moved home. I was living in Baltimore for a couple of years and I moved home and on September 11th was supposed to be my tryout date for Brand New Sin at the time. Oh, wow. And obviously it didn't happen and it got pushed to the 17th and then you know like a week and a half two weeks later is when matt and dustin drove up from from uh, from the city to see us in yeah. the studio because we were in there cutting demos and they came up so it was like man what a what a crazy freaking time that was and then all of a sudden yeah this, this you know all these things exponentially happen right around the 11th you know so but yeah man getting back to matt i always tell people this and we had a discussion when we did the brand new sin reunion show in 2019 um mm-hmm. we were just you know we're obviously just reminiscing about so many things and you know we used to you know we used to bitch about Beckerman and be like oh my god why doesn't he do this why didn't he do this but then once we got hindsight and we looked at you know the other deals that we had and the other people mm-hmm. that we worked with the other labels that we worked with and nothing to take away from Century Media I, I actually loved the time I had at Century Media loved the relationships mm-hmm. a lot of the friends I made at Century Media still have to this day um, wow. but man if and I'm, we go back, we're like, man, if Matt had the money that a larger label had, like even Century Media, we don't even have to have him have major label money. If he had Century right. Media money, with the, what he accomplished with what little he had was fucking amazing <laughs> to, to, to think back. Yeah. On, I'm like, dude, this dude did, did some big things with a little, you know with a little, you know, I was like, wow, he, man, he really did. He really did. I mean, and honestly, I mean, the label wasn't 
generating like money. I mean, it was brand new. Right. He did everything himself with his own money. Like, know, he just dude. he sunk a lot of his own money into things. Um, you know, as a very young man with reckless abandon, one could say. Um, <laughs> right. And when he went for it, I mean, not a lot of people will, can say that, can look back on their early, mid-20s and do the things that he did, you know? No, um, I'll, I'll always be grateful that he gave me a job when I needed it. Yeah. And he paid me well for like the near two years I worked for him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, again, even when the label wasn't even making much money, he made sure I was paid and he made sure Brian was paid. And I, I never forgot that, you know, yeah. um, but I, I remember meeting you guys and I remember hearing the demos with you. Like I remember Matt I was in Matt's car. Or his, I forget what kind of car he had back then, but like a truck or whatever. No, he had like an like, SUV, you, you, like a RAV4 yes, or something like that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a, I a red being one. In is it. that a red one? Like a darker red? <laughs> I think so. I think yeah. so. It's all coming back. Yeah. <laughs> And he goes, you have to hear the new singer. You have to hear the new singer. And he played it. And then he, I'm trying to recall, like, because you guys had also just settled on the name yeah. of the band. Yeah, too. we didn't even have a fucking name because we weren't going to be right. God Below. We were like, we can't be. This is a completely different band, you know? Exactly. Because Matt liked God Below a lot, right? And in a weird way, it was like, you know, we're signing God Below, signing God Below, and then it turns out everyone in God Below is like, well, you know, we kind of don't even want to play this kind of music anymore. <laughs> and then Matt was like, well, I want to hear what you want to play. And then I remember the early demos, and then I remember hearing you and, like, those first two or three songs. I was like, holy shit. Like, this is really good. Like, this is really different. But, you know, it's funny. I, before we, we got on, you know, this call and this podcast, the one thing I'll say about your band is that – time is weird. I feel like your band came out too early, Joe. Yeah, no, I, I totally Sin, agree. Brandon missed the metal comeback. <laughs> Brandon is came out before metals kind of big comeback at later in the O's. We, you know? we, we had that comeback. Who the fuck was I talking to? Oh, I was talking to Andrew Sample. Andrew Sample uh-huh. and I, and even Steve Joe and I from Century Media were just like, we're talking a couple of years ago, you know, just via email. And, uh, mm-hmm. and they're like, man, this, these, you know, we're listening to brand new sin. It still like holds up, you know, like holds up, doesn't sound dated. The production still sounds great. You know, and they're like, mm-hmm. man, but you just, we were too early and we're like, at first we thought yeah. we were too late because obviously the fucking business was falling apart on that sense. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. people wouldn't get what we did, but I'm like, no, nope, we missed it. We felt we, we couldn't hold it together long enough to like, you know, we were too broke yeah. by the time everything was starting to get to that point. And we right. saw that like, we saw these other bands, like these other bands after us, they're like, mm-hmm. wow, they got, they got some success, you know, like Blackstone Cherry and you know, some of these other yeah. bands that were in that vein and like not so much here in the States, but like in Europe, I was like, fuck, man, we were, we were so fucking close. But I mean, that's the way business goes. It doesn't matter whether it's our band or even it was, I'm sure in humans got some stories that were like, man, we were just like, there was this one little thing. If this one little thing happened, we would have been here, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's many, I have many of those stories. Um, but the thing is being around for you guys, 2002 was weird. It yeah. was a weird time. I mean, I, to me, I, I look at the early O's in New York City, and I think of the Strokes 
and I think of Interpol and yeah. I think of like that new that the new wave of music of bands aping the late seventies, early eighties, but yeah, the early O's. They're very garagey sound. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Garage and post punk kind of sound. Um I actually you know, I, I like a lot of that stuff. Um and I always, uh, even uh, like Murder City Devils was really popular, but metal was not cool again yet no. in 02, my friend. And no. <laughs> I was still listening to metal. I mean, I was listening to death metal and black metal and hardcore and this and that. I'm a music sponge, as you, as you know. Yeah, yeah, um, but I thought that like what you guys were doing would have had a, a this better reception later in the O's <laughs> when Headbangers Ball came back. You remember that? Remember like yeah. in like the mid after 05, 06, 07, I think metal has been on a wonderful kick, honestly, in almost every level since then. No, I 02, agree. It, I don't think so. I agree. And, 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 and the bands that even became that were before O2 have, you know, got a resurgence, whether it's either here in the States, most, most of them in Europe, like, man, mm-hmm. like that never really die. But like, I mean, you think about it, how many of those bands that were out around O2 are still like putting music out most of them fractured you know like shadows shadows fall i mean the only ones that are still kind of kicking is like kill switch and in and lamb of god but even they've had you know their their ups and downs you know so they have you know and now shadows is doing a reunion you know which is cool (laughs) yes i know which was was supposed to happen it was supposed to happen last year because jason and i still speak often him and i talk Mm -hmm. all the time and it was Mm going to happen in 2020 and Brand new sin was going to go play the show, but you know, oh, right, wow. right now we're like, in COVID kind of slowed us down because we were starting to write again, mm. and we're like, ah, oh, screw it, we'll just maybe record a little bit and stuff like that. And then COVID hit, and everyone's like, yeah, we we just ain't going to work <laughs> right now. Got to chill. But next well, year, next year is the twentieth uh, anniversary of the first album. Uh, yes. So we're gonna do we're gonna do two nights here in Syracuse. We, uh, we haven't officially announced that we've been talking about it, but we're we're gonna do we're gonna do a couple shows next year.
Hopefully you get to uh, New York City, man. You guys got to come. You got to come down south. You yeah, do it, we do. We figure we, we should. I'm like, we should hit a couple, you know, a couple places that we know that we. It, it, not even about the money, but we know it'll be worth our time to go down and play. Because when we did the reunion shows, we had people like, "We'll come back here." I'm like, "Man, we're just gonna lose money going to that place." You know, mm-hmm. we guys. Are you guys? Yeah. I would like going to lose money because. I don't want to lose money. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to, I'm not going to be working and we're all going to go lose money and get drunk for the weekend and come home feeling like shit because we don't, none of us party like that anymore. You know? So, Oh my God. Yeah. You guys were a lot of fun, man. I mean, I'm, I'll say it. I mean, I'm, I don't know if other people have said it on a podcast, but Oh one, Oh two, Oh three. Those were like, I think the last of the great days of the music industry. Um, the last time, the last time, like real money was kind of being spent, you know, um, promos and trips. And I mean, I remember we all went to South by Southwest and it was just like, I think by the mid O's with Napster and digital obviously changed everything, but I'm so happy that I was around for the really good days because my, my music industry journey, although I, I work in, in television now, um, my music industry journey goes literally back to the beginning of the nineties, uh, as a college radio DJ, uh, first in community college and then in regular college. What, what, and man, what, that's what, how I met everybody. What, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, college radio, thinking about college radio in the nineties, I don't even, does college radio even fucking exist anymore? I don't even know if it exists. Um, kind of, sort of, but you know what I'll never forget? Uh, in 94, uh, at junior college, Kingsborough College in, in Chicha Bay, Brooklyn, um, the BC boys, uh, ill communication comes out, right? Right. And comes out right before I'm graduating. And I was hitting it off with the radio promo guy there. And he mailed me an entire box of CDs of that before it came out on CD, an entire box of cassettes of it before it came out. Cassettes. And what I would do is I would hook up all of my friends yeah. with this stuff. And my, my, I was so popular with my friends back then. <laughs> and the Beastie Boys were so important back then. And it was yeah. just like, holy shit. And another thing, this guy sent me a signed ill communication poster by all three beastie boys. Do you still have that? You got to still have that, right? Uh, I, 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 I believe I do because I have all these, I have so much crap <laughs> and I have all these like posters and shit from the nineties. Um, you know why he did that? Because dude, this was the kind of weird payola. I mean, I have, it's been a very long time. I might as well say it. He goes, you keep ill communication at number one for four weeks in a row. You get this poster. I went deal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like, I mean, that's low level, like, like payola, you know, it's not like what the major, mm-hmm. we're going to buy you a new car or shit like that, but that dude, it's no, still payola, but that's, level. yeah, but think about it though. Think about what, like, if you wanted to go sell that and you put it up on eBay or put it up for some kind of auction, man, think about what you would get for that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I it mean, was absolutely payola, payola, especially now that one thing, of them is gone, you know, like that's, you yeah, can't get another one, you know? I know. Um, the thing is we were like a 10 watt station, bro, a 10 watt station. So <laughs> he, and what, and I was the, the metal director, right? But that record charted on the metal chart. Oh, absolutely. It was huge. It was huge. That was. Is, 
a monster record for that, that was that year, that, that summer. I, they always cross genres, but that album alone was just like, the, all right, we can't, we've officially cannot define who this band is. They can do whatever the fuck they want at that point. Because, uh, yeah, Sabotage got metal radio play. Sabotage, 100%. And, you know, it was, it was guitar-driven, it was hard, and, and bands cover it to this day. So that's a really cool memory. Um, the other thing was, uh, there was a dangled, was a signed basketball uh, ill communication oh, beastie dude. boys basketball i never got that never that, got that that would have been cool i mean that. the poster is cool but man the basketball like that that's such a like how many people can say they have a beastie boys basketball you know i know <laughs> so that's my beginning of my musical journey and then the, the internships i did i did a full year interning at epic records even though it was only supposed to be about six months um i stayed on because i left college and was working at like blockbuster video. And I just wanted to be around the music business for more time. Like I didn't think it was enough time the six right. months, you know, the semester or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, I worked with Smitty, you know, Tom Smith, oh, Smitty, Epic Records. Oh my God. I, I was his intern you. for, for almost like a whole year. And it was amazing. Um, what you were know, the, what were the band? Yeah, I was going to say, what was that? <laughs> what was that time? Like my God damn. Uh, think about let's that. see. It was Prong. Uh, Sepultura's KSAD because KSAD started out on Roadrunner and then got reissued. It was like the epic Roadrunner. Yeah. Um, uh, and then it was Corn, dude. It was Corn's first record and hearing Corn's demo. Um, I mean, Ozzy, uh, I mean, you name it. All, all the stuff that was on Epic at the time, uh, metal and hard rock kind of came, came across my way. But... I mean, I just, it's funny. I mean, I remember sitting at, at the little desk that I had and somebody giving me a tape of the corn demo or corn promo. And all these years, I'm like, man, I, I never thought to like bring that home. Oh, dude, <laughs> you know, you know? Well, th th these are the things. And I talked about this on the podcast previous to this. I had a buddy of mine named Rayan. Um, Belcher, and he played bass in Wednesday 13 for a little while and him and I just became mm -hmm. super good friends but we had a, we had a conversation about the death of a, the rock star like the rock stars that mm -hmm. we um, grew up you know Jimmy Page you know like let's go back way back Elvis all the way up and then like when did they die because like one they're they're literally dying because they're and, and second of all they just that doesn't exist anymore but the cool thing yeah. is that you just brought up is like those excitement of like, Oh my God, I heard the demo of this, you know, we got the demo mm -hmm. of that, that band, like, that excitement that you just talked about with, with the beastie boys and with working at Epic, that just doesn't exist anymore, man. That's a, that's a, that's no. a, doesn't exist. And that's like, what an excitement. I feel bad for my daughter that she, I mean, they won't know. We're going to sound like old timers, but man, what a fucking exciting time that you got to be in, you know? It was. And, and then uh, after that, I spent, let's see, a, a while, again, with no college, just because I was a metal director and I had a good reputation, I met a bunch of people. I interned at Eric while I wasn't even in college for six months, from like January 95 to like June, July 95. Um, you know, and it was really cool. Um, but it was weird. It was the death of death metal time. And Eric was the, was the death metal label. Yeah, so they, they had these weird signings like Dub War. And then, did you know for a hot minute they changed their logo to this horrendous logo for like a hot minute? And then they no. went back to the old logo. It was a really weird time at Eric. But 
I got to, but that was when they signed like at the gates and oh, um, they were putting out like both, you know, like both crows for crusade and uh, brutal truth need to control. I mean, there was some cool stuff, but there was like this weird changing of the guard where death metal wasn't really cool anymore. And black metal was coming <laughs> and black metal had already arrived actually. And I was, I was already a fan of it. And, um, it was really funny. Like for a hot minute, they were entertaining signing birds of, believe it or not. You're right. There's like a whole weird story about that. That's, yeah. That's the second and, time uh, I've heard that name come up today. I was listening yeah, to Joe Rogan's um, podcast and he was, uh, he, had Dun- <laughs> he had Duncan Trussell on there and Duncan uh-huh. was on there and he's, and for some reason, Burzum got brought up. He's like, dude, have you ever listened to Burzum? And Rogan's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, dude, it's like, you listen to this and you're like, what the fuck is it? And then all of a sudden you're like, you get into it and you're like, wait a minute. I'm, totally hearing these landscapes and these soundscapes and it was like so that's yeah. just weird that i've never had birds and got brought up twice in in a day ever <laughs> <laughs> well i mean again it was just again it was like a changing of the guard like yeah. death metal was not cool for a while and black metal was the cool the cool new toy you know um and then like for a minute hardcore was really kind of dead too and then that came back a, a little later on in the 90s but i went back to college and became again, like a metal director at Brooklyn college. And then I met a whole bunch of, you know, uh, new people. And, and it was just like a really fun, wild time. And then at some point I met Matt Beckerman. I might've even met him at a Slayer show when Slayer and system of a down played Irving Plaza when Slayer was promoting the covers record. It was like a special show. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh dude. Um, that literally might've been that, that around that time I met Matt. So, you know, I, I, I spent a, a lot of time just going to shows back then, man. Yeah. Jesus, man. I, I have a log, believe it or not, Joe, of every single show I went to from 1988 to 2000 written on paper. I need to put it to a, a universal Google doc. I keep talking yeah, about it. You got to do um, something like that. Cause God forbid something freaking happens, you know, like I had, I had every, brand new sense show that we ever played from day one all the way up until I left the band and Mm, I I lost it. It was in a book that I had uh, everything and I can find most of them online, but it was those early ones. And I, I can tell you all the shows that we played, but it wasn't, I'd like, I want the, I wanted the dates and the goofy little shows that we played in between, you know, things you know like we played a soup kitchen like we played a soup wow. kitchen with shadows fall and all that remains <laughs> oh my god and like, i i also have written down on paper every inhuman show from 95 to 2003 <laughs> and it's over 250 Crazy. um but after 03 we i mean i don't know what the number is i mean i we we really started pushing the band more in the later part of the of the O's, so I have no idea what the number is. I mean, the last show this band did was 2018, because um, we do it now when we want to do it, and on special occasions, yeah. you know, when it's right. My my, my main focus is uh, the other band, the last band, yeah, yeah, and 2011. Decisions face us every day. Try not to hold on to the past. 
I talked I talked about you know the bands that the two bands that I I'm familiar with and I know you were in some bands even prior to that because when I'm watching when I'm looking at your Facebook feed you talk about some of the early stuff that you had and yeah. uh, but I was just talking about like I missed the hardcore scene here in Syracuse when it was like real big. I was in college. So I was, I was in Rochester. Mm. I wasn't home when earth crisis got big. I wasn't here when that whole scene got big. I got here when it was kind of like dying out. And that was when God below was like, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of over it. And the Sunday matinees had kind of stopped up here and the whole, the scene had changed. So I kind of missed out on that. So it was, yeah, it took me a while before I got into the hardcore and then once I got into the hardcore and now as I keep going further into it, the more I love it, the more I respect mm-hmm. it, especially after watching agnostic fronts documentary, you know? Oh yeah, like, man. And then there was another documentary that drew stone did Mm-hmm. that I just recently watched. And it was like the Chronicles of Hardcore or something like that. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Drew's a good friend of mine. Yeah, um, well, he, shot, he, shot that, he shot that first um, brand new Sin video, remember? It's Stone Brothers. Uh, yes, that's right. And it's <laughs> funny because back in 02, on that, that very hot day on the roof of the building, oh God, was so I kind of had known him already. He didn't, he didn't remember me, but I, I'm, I'm in the Onyx. Uh, oh, I'm, in the, I'm in Shades of Grey. Uh, Biohazard Shades of Grey video that he, he shot with, with Paris uh, from the Chromags. But I had really long hair back then. And I, I'm in a few shots of that video. And I was a big rap guy. And when it, and that day, that was shot the same exact time as Slam, like the same afternoon. It was like a very long day. And I actually decided, and eh, I'm just going to sit in the bleachers and hang out. Like I could have been in both videos that day, <laughs> the Slam video and Shades of Grey. But because I, I, I don't know, I wasn't super into Onyx. I was like, I'm just going to hang out outside. And, <laughs> and go figure you know, that fucking video is gigantic. I know, right? You know? It's like, damn, I, I, I chose I chose to sit out for the wrong video. But, yeah, but um, how, how would you fucking know? You'd probably listen to it like, what the fuck is this? And then all of a sudden you're like, wow. Yeah. You, you never know. Yeah. That's, a, that's a crazy thing about the business. But like, so let's talk about the hardcore. Like you, I mean, you grew growing up in New York City. You couldn't help but be around it, especially doing what you do, whether it's in metal and stuff like that, man, because hardcore, when I tell people, I'm like, man, hardcore is just so much more than music. It's, it's, there's, it's one genre that I really, like it's, 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 it's own thing. I can't even, how would you describe it? Cause we, we have our metal heads. We have our, you know, our hard rock guys. We have our classic rock guys. We have our adult contemporary. Like how, how would you describe hardcore, hardcore music and hardcore scene? Like, it's, it's hard. I mean, look, the easy answer is that it's an offshoot of punk rock. It's, right. the, it's the faster, shorter, angrier little brother, right? Yeah. But at some point in the 90s, in the beginning of the 90s, that definition changed. That definition worked for the 80s, but by the 90s, um, a stronger metal influence seeped in and created new bands that were just as inspired by metal as they were by punk. And then it literally created bands that had absolutely no punk ties. Yes. But at the same time today, there are bands that exist that are more on the punkish side, more on the metal side. There are bands that incorporate rock. There are, I mean, there are bands that incorporate anything they want into 
hardcore. Well, music. You know what it I is, just, it is a little hard to define. Right. What I just listened to. And I think I'm trying to remember who posted it and it freaking blew my mind. It might've been doc Coyle who posted it, or it might've even been Craig Silverman from agnostic front and only living witness. Cause I love watching what they talk about, but the turns turnstile just put on new like EP. Right. Yes. And I fucking insane. And, and doc was like, dude, you have to fucking listen to this. This is like, it's hardcore. It's this, it's that because it's fucking the most refreshing thing you'll hear now. And I listened to it last night and I was like, Holy shit. I'm like, Holy shit. What is this? It was amazing. Now, the thing about turnstile, like about six years ago, maybe seven. I saw in New York city, Madball had running a show at Webster hall, right? In the smaller room, which is a good size room. Yeah. It was them and power trip and turnstile were on the bill. Okay. And this is six, seven years ago, mind you. And Power Trip played. They were unbelievable. I was like, wow, this is like, this is thrash metal. This is, yeah. These guys remind me of like Beneath the Remains and yeah. a little Exhorter and a little like, you know, like, but it's a lot of hardcore kids that like it. And it comes from kids who apparently used to play hardcore before they did Power Trip. And I'm like, this is amazing. I love it. And then um, Turnstile goes on and I've been hearing good things about them. And the place goes ballistic and there's so many different types of people at this show. It's like just different looking people at the show, you know, like right. people that not normally would go to a, a mad ball show. I felt like different types of crowds, not all hardcore and the place went insane and they got this amazing reaction and they completely won me over. Okay. And, but I noticed that, their people didn't even stick around for Mabel. Mabel had a good crowd. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people right. were there. Mabel in New York draws very well, but a lot of like their people had kind of like left. And then I saw them again and, and just at a, a, another club in Brooklyn. And it was just like, wow. And I remember telling my buddy, I don't think this band is even long for the hardcore scene. I see this band going other places yeah and i was right yeah. <laughs> I was and right. It was especially yeah. when i heard that record last night and it was just like it was a youtube thing so it was like they just had all the songs going together and there was like video one continuous video that go with each song and i'm just sitting there in bed last night i'm, I'm like wow i'm like wow 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 yeah. i'm like man this is i'm like i gotta get this on vinyl like when i get excited about a band now that's immediate. I'm like, oh, I got to buy the vinyl. You know, that's the way my, yeah, I, support. No, I mean, I, I, will, I will casually listen on the, all the streaming services, but like when I get excited, it's like, okay, I got to buy the vinyl. I got to have it. You know, they, they came from the hardcore scene. They are, to me, they still in the hardcore scene. And I would argue they are, they are still a hardcore band, but there's just much more going on. I mean, they're, they're from, I believe Baltimore, Maryland, and initially just were playing shows with all the bands you would have thought they would have been playing with years ago. You know, I mean, they, they earned all of the success they have. They busted their ass and you know, they got, they got signs of Roadrunner and you know, I mean, amazing success story for that band. And I think it's not over at all. I think this new release and their next record, I mean, we'll, we'll just, put them into the stratosphere, you know, but they've, they're already doing quite well though. Well, so, that's, that's the thing. And again, that's what's happened with, with that's one genre of music. Like you, they're still selling physical copies. They're still selling, you know, like they'll chart now, you know, they wouldn't have charted years ago, yeah. but like, but like yeah. metal and hardcore and that, like just very, 
you know, all the branches that come off from all that, man, th- those, those fans are still like, man, I want product of some sort. I want, I want something, mm-hmm. you know, those, those people are very feverish about it. And that, you know, that's the one thing I, I, I've respected about hardcore and I'm glad the people that are like have stuck by it, you know, obviously some, some people came and went because it was a trendy thing there for a while. Uh-huh. I'm sure it was trendy yeah. in the eighties and it became trendy in the nineties when the, you know, earth crisis and that whole, like, I don't know if, the, if you call that a second wave or whatnot, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing I, I just, to see these bands still have this, you know, success and, and, and respect, man. People like respect those bands big time, you know, totally. And thank God that the people who listen to metal and, and death metal, black metal and hardcore, like they want physical product, a certain sector, like the download isn't enough. And it's because of that, you see Cannibal Corpse with these huge chart numbers and you see, you know, bands that years ago wouldn't have come near the top 200 getting on the top 200. Metal has helped save the vinyl industry. The vinyl revival owes a lot to metal releases. I agree. And punk and hardcore releases a lot, actually. Um, I was buying vinyl in the 90s, okay, when it was available. (laughs) <laughs> if you because can find that it like where that's, I came from, but that's, yeah, a, that's hard a hard thing. Like when I'm buying vinyl now, cause I got back into it. Cause I, I think I'd lost my records along the way. I never thought that I would ever need them again. You know, it's like, fuck it. That beat them up. Mm-hmm. They were all beat up anyways. And when I got back into it, it's, it's really weird because you can find vinyl all the way up until like 91. And then after that, it is until like the mid two thousands where like, there's this gap yes. of like 15 years. Like, man, how do I get this? Like I tried to find, I'm so glad that typo negative is like reissuing everything on vinyl because like to <laughs> yeah. try to find some of that other shit that was like on vinyl was unbelievably expensive to like get like an origin of the feces or a fucking even an October rust that was like, Oh, it came out in Europe and Poland and there's 30 copies Mm -hmm. and it's a thousand bucks a piece. I'm like, Jesus, please be this. So I'm glad bands like that, like are reissuing, you know, I'm happy to see that too. And I'm I'm like a a mega fan of theirs. I mean, I was, I was at their first show ever and I've had a a connection to that band since, since their start, you know, I, I got to see them rehearse, when I was like 15, um, you know, um, <laughs> and like, it, it is, it is something that I think a lot of people are, are aware of now that, you know, uh, metal matters more now than it, than it did back in the day. And it's certainly than it did in the early O's, you know? Um, and I'm very happy to see it, you know, uh, as, as a lifelong fan of this music and of heavy music. It, I think it's great. Um, I feel like maybe we'll, we'll see another dip again eventually, but I, I firmly believe it's been on just this nice trajectory for quite a while. Yeah, or, or almost know? like, it's almost like in a, like a, like a maintenance mode. Like it's like, man, these people aren't yeah. going anywhere, you know? And, um, I think really a lot of it has to do, I mean, this is just off the top of my head. It's a lot of these people that were younger all have, you know, they're in their forties, fifties and sixties and they got a little more expendable income and stuff like that. And they're just mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's fucking relive it. And then they're getting their kids into it and stuff like that. Cause I'm, I've been to some metal shows and it's like, you're seeing, I went, when's the last time I went and saw hate breed? I had Matt 
burn on like one of the early episodes when I first started doing this podcast and I went and saw them play in Rochester and mm-hmm. hung out with them. And it was so weird. I'm like, dude, I'm like, look at the general, there's three fucking generations here, man. There's three generations yes. at this fucking show. He's like, yeah, dude, he goes, we're meeting guys that were, you know, a little bit older than us that got into our band that now have kids and their kids have kids. And they're, you know, it's like, wow. I go, if that doesn't tell you something about this genre of music, and going back to like, what does hardcore mean or that metal or like all these little branches that I think shows it right there, man. It's freaking, it just keeps, it's generational. I saw this banger show before the pandemic. Uh, it was terror obituary hate breed. Okay. In New City. Wow. I mean, definitely talk about three generations at that particular show. That's exactly and it was just so great to see, you know. Uh, again, I'm a really big fan of death metal. Bitchwary is literally the first death metal. They, they actually, uh, death metal kind of came around for me right at the exact time it needed to because uh, uh, my New York car band up and there was this lull of CBGBs, like they weren't, um, you know. I, I hear obituary for the first time and I go to see it. And I was like, holy shit. Heavier and, and, you know, than hardcore. And, it, and back then it was all about like dancing and moshing. Like there's all these different terms for it. Like, you know, having breakdowns and right. parts, whatever. But years ago, me and my crew of friends, we, we, we referred to it as like dancing, believe it or not. Yeah, well, I mean, and we used to say obituary had these fucking great dance parts, man. You got to fucking hear this. <laughs> you know? What's well, the first time? Like I, you know, once I, once I joined brand new sin is really when people, you know, the guys in the band started introducing me to what I kind of missed when I was in college. Cause I was in college, okay. man. I was, I was a, uh, it was Rochester it was kind of a, you know, it was a private school and it really, I just, I was the only metalhead there. Like I had tickets to go see typo negative one night and I'm like, does anyone want to go? And they're like, no. I'm like, finally, I grabbed the one dude. I'm like, you want to go see Typo Negative? I don't know who they are. I'm like, I'm dude, I'm buying beers. Let's go. <laughs> so like, I couldn't get anybody. So like it was, I was a lone duck at my fucking college. So by the time I came back and when those guys like started introducing me, cause then I'm like, all right, where, where, where did you guys all come from? You know, and all those, you know, Chris was in earth crisis and all the guys in the band had played in hardcore bands in, in around here, you know? So then, they introduced me to all that and I remember going to see Madball for the first time in Ithaca up here lot of the mad ball recordings were always like i'm like oh my god the production is like like, this bad you know like there should be media and stuff like that but then i saw them live and i'm like holy 
shit. I'm like, there's, I'm like, there's, there's a groove. And my buddy's like, yeah, man, that's, that's New York city. Hardcore man. It's a, there's under, underneath it all. There's this groove, you know, like, like that's the thing. It is about groove. Like it's, it's about rip, like rhythmic parts and just, it's, you know, a lot of death metal has those riffs and those, those parts in them that a lot of hardcore people like, you know, and particularly the more classic death metal bands. Like, like uh, a lot of my friends in the hardcore scene, they liked Morbid Angel, Blood Thrower, but Obituary was and kind of still is the the number one death metal band among hardcore people, you know. That's it's crazy. Just, it's just always been that way. <laughs> what do you think the number one black metal band is among har- hardcore people? I would say it's probably Dark Throne, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Dark Throne is, has, Dark Throne's first three, four, four, five records actually have a lot of great breakdowns, believe it or not. Uh, because, uh, in particularly the fifth record, uh, Panzerfaust is loaded with Celtic Frost riffs that literally sound like Sheer Terrors just can't hate enough riffs. So there's, there's the, the, the connection right there. Uh, Dark Throne is super popular among hardcore people, at least that I know. Um, the, the kinship of all this man, honestly, is the underground, you know, yeah. is that it, it comes from the underground and it's, it's outcast music. It's misfit music. It's, it's, you know, it was definitely not cool for a long time, you know, uh, it's funny. I still see hardcore as, least popular of all the music we're talking about to a degree because it is yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, totally um but with, in terms of drawing crowds and, and record sales yeah i mean it is the least popular yeah. I, I i look within that hardcore scene and i think of the bands that kind of came out of it that were either hardcore at first or had elements of hardcore and then they kind of came something else or they were living in the hardcore world even though they they weren't hardcore, but for some reason they fit in there. Like, like life agony yeah. was considered a hardcore band, but I mean, like they were like, you know, they had some elements of it, but there was so much different. And then I think of a band. I remember the yeah. first time the guys in brand new sin, uh, slider, I was sitting in his house. We're listening to music and just writing lyrics for the first brand new sin record. And he put on only living witness first album, pro modal form. Hmm. I'm like, what? What is mm-hmm. this? Who are these guys? You got fucking broke up. They fucking no one, no one knew what to do with this fucking band. But they were in the hardcore. No, world. no. I'm like, oh, what do you mean? That How could they not know it? Yeah, it was. But I'm like, they were. But that's that's an example. Like that band existed in the hardcore scene. But man, they're really not a hardcore band in a way. I mean, Craig Craig's in a hardcore band. You know, he's fucking ignorant right. front. But like, that wasn't. It wasn't typical. It was so. No. There was those bands that lived on the great out, outliers, you know. Yeah, you brought up two great examples. Um, Live Maggie, uh, you know, I'm from Brooklyn. They're from Brooklyn. I my old band is. And Confusion did shows with Live Maggie back then, quite a few, and we came up at the same exact time. Um, they started as a total hardcore band. Their demos are hardcore. Uh, largely, River Runs Red is hardcore. To me, it's after that record where they become something else. Yeah. They become a metal hard rock band. They were very inspired by, to me, Stone Temple Pilots. Extremely. Oh, um, big time. 
<laughs> and you hear that on every record. Soul yeah, like especially rip. soul searching. So did you, you? You obviously you watched the Life Agony documentary, did you? Did you watch it yet? No, I need oh, to. My I need God, to watch it, dude. It is I so that, you know. Good. I heard it's great. I, t- I got, I'm having Alan on the podcast real soon, you know, and him and I, he, he, him and I keep in touch. We just, you know, every once in a while, send each other some messages and stuff. And I message him. I'm like, dude, that documentary was like so much more than what your band is. Like it, if you're a life agony fan, yeah. you're going to love it. But the second part uh-huh. of it, man, anybody could watch that. It's kind of like one of those movies. Like, even if you don't even like that style of music, you can dig the documentary because it goes into so much more than their music but they talk about like what how they have how they evolved from where it was and then they got the soul searching sun and they had monty connor on there monty's like dude we were we were ready to like blow this band up we had singles off that record that were going to go to active rock radio and then mina comes along and says i'm i'm gonna quit the band (laughs) and they're like what What do you mean you you can't what are you you're leaving right now you know and and that's like a whole undercurrent of the thing but it's like um they talk about that quite a bit man and uh obviously they talk about those early days of 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 life agony and the hardcore stuff but it was man what if just the person who I can't remember who shot that documentary and edited it and did everything like they, they should win an award. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. I definitely will want to see it soon. Um, the other great example is witness uh, guys from the hardcore scene and with hardcore backgrounds who played a kind of music that well, it wasn't really hardcore music. Um, it was, it was kind of, it was rock and it was metal and it was melodic and it had a, he lived be the greatest thing to come out of the hardcore scene in Jonah Jenkins. Yeah. And they were on Century Media, the death metal label of the early 90s, who had right. no clue whatsoever to do with a band like that at all. And they did two records with them, two wonderful records. And... You know, uh, but the, the, the upside of that story is the, the, that they have people like you and I who sing their praises, and many other people, and they're a cult band. You know what oh. I'm saying? They are. They're an important. I know. I, I've, I've eventually. Band. I've never met Craig. Him and I are friends on Facebook, just because he, you know, I friended him one day, and he's probably like, "Oh, he knows, he knows you. <laughs> he knows like some of these people." Uh, yeah, no, he's We've a good con- friend of mine. Yeah. And and I'm like, I gotta have him on there just because I want to geek out on Only Living Witness. I don't even know if he like he'll want to geek out on, <laughs> but I'm like, dude, that band. It's like anytime someone brings up, we talk about bands that you never heard of. I'm like, all right, guys, go listen to this album, and then start with Promortal Form, and then and just and then come back to me and see what you say. And I'm like, and they're like, Jesus, what was yeah. this? I'm like, yeah. Everybody missed it. They were on a label that just had no fucking clue what to do with them. I mean, uh, you know, what, what did you do with that band? You know, where did you put them? Especially in the mid nineties, you know, it was grunge heaven, Mm -hmm. alternative heaven and metal was dead and hard. That's the funny part. You know, the, the first record comes out. Grunge is actually thriving and death metal is thriving in the underground. And the label is largely associated with death metal century. Okay. They have like Grave and Unleashed and a whole bunch of other death metal bands. And then they have this outlier band. They also had I Hate God back then, but they kind of, they, they knew more to do with I Hate God than they did with, uh, you know, uh, Only Living Witness because I Hate God was a heavier, dirtier band, obviously. Yeah. But, um, you know, again, but what they did was 
they went on to become this band that has a, a mess following and, yeah. and kind of to me grows over the years, really. I mean, you know, you just, you hear his voice and you hear those riffs and it's like, holy shit. Yeah. You know? And I mean, they I did mean, those, I, they, most they, people they, I know like him. Yeah. They did those reunion shows in like Oh nine mm-hmm. maybe. And I yeah, was going to go yeah. with slider and I just could, I'm like, dude, I can't slide. It's like, oh, I'm going both nights. Just meet me the second night. I'm like, I can't. It's like, it was the middle of, I had so much shit going on at the time and I'm kicking myself yeah, if because you're paying that, attention. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> if you're paying oh. attention, Craig made a weird post the other day. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, oh, that October. Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know what that means. He wouldn't expand upon it about something oh. about early October. Because I'm wondering, oh, wow. because I mean, I know, I mean, he spoke like, you know, the band may never, was it the drummer who passed away? The Correct? drummer died, yes. Yeah, yeah drummer died, died a few yeah. years after that. And I know that was like, man, it, it, from what I can kind of gather that like, it would be really, they're like, I don't know if we could do this without him, you know? So, you know, but they mm. so, so we shall see what that, what that post means. Oh, but, uh, that would be exciting. I'm not, dude, I'll cancel whatever <laughs> I got going on. I, I got to go see that. You know, there's, there's one thing as I'm getting exactly. older, I'm like, listen, I don't give a fuck, man. If I'm not going to make the money, I'm going to go spend the money because life is way too fucking short and I need to see some of the shit before I die, you know? So like I got to take these opportunities while I can, you know, and go, and go. I, I agree. And uh, you know, people aren't getting younger, they're getting older. And I, you know, you're, you're more prone to see potential reunions, potential like these great bills, especially coming out of Corona right now. I think, uh, I feel like I'm already starting to see these interesting bills in the metal world and in the hardcore world. I'm like, Oh shit, this is great. You know, yeah, I, people I, want to make up for lost time. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that cause there was a while that like a lot of tours just became really homogenized and it was like, all right, cool. We got four bands that sound all the same. Like, and like I go back and think about the shows that I saw when I was younger and I was like, yeah, we, I saw this band and they had this person. They're like, that band was opening, you know, like give me diversity, man. Like, I don't want to hear the same sound for four hours. I mean, cause I'm going to be like, Oh my God, it sounds all the same to me. Like, give me some diversity. Give me some, like when I went and saw Haybreed, uh, they put on as their direct support that night. Cause that was when they were on, they this was an off date when they were doing the dropkick Murphy shows in uh, 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they mm-hmm. had a guy on there. Oh my God. Amigo, the devil that was on the tour with dropkicks and they invite him to come along to do an off show. And there was all these hardcore bands and an amigo. The devil is just, just, he's a one man acoustical dude, you know, kind of a singer song. I don't know if you've ever heard him. If you got to check this fucking guy, I've heard I, the name. Heard I the was, name. I wasn't even familiar. And then when I got up there and I'm hanging out with Matt and I'm like, who's this amigo? The devil is, is it a band? He's like, no, it's just one dude. I'm like, playing acoustic guitar. I'm like, you're going to put him on right before you guys. He's like, dude, let's go inside and you're going to watch and you're going to fucking understand why this dude can win over any fucking crowd. You know, it's a really, um, man, I don't even know how to describe him, man. It's a really dark, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of Scott Byram. Uh, it's like a kind of a, no, uh, there's this guy that I got into years ago called Scott Byram and he's very, just like, he'll play a dobro and it's very blues oriented, but there's this really dark undercurrent where like metal people would get it, you know, because it's got that current mm-hmm. where Amigo, the devil is more, it, he, 
you can picture like, okay, if I took this song and put it, this could be a heavy metal song or a hardcore song. It'd be like, but he's doing it on guitar and the lyrical content and what he's doing was like off the wall. And I'm like, man, I'm so glad you put this fucking guy in a bill because I just became his biggest fan and went over and bought all of his shit. I spent like, a, I didn't buy wow. any, I don't think I bought any hate breed shit. I ended up spending all my money on Amigo the Devil's shit that night because I'm like, this is my love. <laughs> I came to a show and I heard something that was just completely off the beaten path like man let me find me these niches now that's the beauty of music now it's like we can talk about the old days but the beauty of music now is like if you got some time and you start going down that rabbit hole now you can kind of if you got these people that you trust with their with their um with what they like and you trust what mm-hmm. they're going to give to you. You can go down these rabbit holes for days. And next thing you know, I'm like, fuck, I've been on YouTube for four hours. I got to stop. You know, I've just been listening to music, you know? Yes. Uh, I just, mean, that's the fun of YouTube. Lately, I'm on a, I'm on the, the kick with Anthrax. Oh, the new, the new episode just came out an hour ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I watched it before we spoke. That's um, funny. I haven't thought about anthrax in a while, yet here I am waiting patiently every couple of days. <laughs> Me too. Me too. And the, the crazy thing is that Joey still lives here in Syracuse. So I run into Joey a lot, especially when Joey's off the road before Corona and before COVID all hit him and I played the same circuit when he was home. Like I would be doing my just Joe shows. Joey would be like, you know, sometimes we'd be at the casino and he'd be in the rock part and I'd be over in the lounge and, you know, you see Joey all the time around here and he's playing that. I remember one time someone's like, we're in a bar and it was like 20 people there. And Joey literally got off a plane that morning from like playing in Bulgaria. I think the big four shows, right? He came home, got off a plane and went and played this show with his like classic rock cover band. And I'm like, dude, wow. I'm like, and in, in, in front of 20 people. And he was like, man, I, this is, I just love playing music. And some people, I remember one time somebody put it up on Blabbermouth that he was playing some like, you know, like little park and everyone's like, Oh man, look at this guy from me. I'm like, anthrax. Like, this is what he does. You know, like, yeah, dude, mm. this is a guy with yeah. no fun. Like, that's that's awesome. That's w- how much more real can you get that? So like I run into Joey often. I'm stoked that Jonathan got the gig from shadows fall. That's in there. Mm, yeah. And then the he other well with those guys. Right. And you know, Charlie was always a big fan of our band and, and then the other portion of it is like those early things. They talk about Alex Perry Alice and Alex is a good friend of ours. He recorded God below stuff and him and I've been wanting to work together oh, wow. for years. Yeah. So he's in it. Because he like this. Great, great thrash records, man. Oh too. dude, he I'm going to have him on the records. podcast soon because I mean, that dude's just got, he's got stories upon stories upon stories. I'm like, I want, I'm like, I want to mm-hmm. come down to the studio because the studio's still there. He doesn't really use it that much. He's become a, a professor at, uh, at, at Cornell 
you know, it's crazy, but like he was on there. So it's like, there's all these interweave things that it made me go back and like, listen to anthrax again, again. I mean, not that I wasn't yeah. a fan, it's just been years. And then the album that they're talking about that I haven't watched this episode, I fucking forgot about that album. Uh, volume eight, the threat is real. I forgot about I hear it. That that's actually potentially their worst album in their repertoire, but I, I don't know. Like I didn't really pay attention to the Bush years. I like only, and I like safe home. Like I like those, but I learned after watching this when the day the record came out a week later, the record label that put it out folded, which is probably why I know very little about that record. Other than some people say it's not good, but then like the anthrax super fans say it's, very good. Yeah. Like I went back and listened to stomp and I hadn't listened to that record. I maybe listened to it once and I'm like, man, I'm like, okay. You know, like at that point they were kind of losing me. Yeah. Uh, and then I went back and listened to it now with now with like, when you see a band talk about it from their perspective and what they were going through, it gives you a di- like, okay, I'm going to go back and listen to it different ears now. And production wise, it was fucking mm. amazing. The guy that was the, the, the brothers that they had that completely off the wall. Yeah. Th- those guys that. are in the documentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh-huh. so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back and listen to this record, you know, because it, it was real weird, you know, cause yeah, I liked I liked Sound of White Noise, but then after that, I was like, ah, I don't know, you know. But again, there's a band that like... I think the band, um, yeah, they, they... I feel like the whole Bush era was a reaction to two things in particular. The, the changing of the guard in 1991, 92, in the music world, I think they thought Joey represented... There was nothing cool about the 80s by 1991, 92, nope. honestly. And... And I think the success of Metallica's self-titled album had influenced them. And they have John Bush, who sings in a lower register. And Joey Baldana is the high register, and he kind of represents the old school and the old guard. And I think they thought with John Bush, they could appeal. This is, again, my take to what was going on in the grunge world, number one, and get in on the mid tempo madness of Metallica's self-titled album. That's what I think. Oh, absolutely. Especially considering that, you know, John Bush was supposed to be the singer of fucking, or was supposed to be the singer of Metallica, you know? You know? Yeah. Which is unbelievable in itself. Unbelievable. And it's like, man, you start to think of these other trajectories, like, man, would Metallica have been Metallica that we know? With John Bush? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm an Armored Saint fan. I was always an Armored Saint fan. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm just like, um, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like to think about it, so, especially a band like Metallica. I mean, dude, I, I, is there a bigger metal band of all time? I mean, you can say Sabbath, but no, like, nobody's, they, nobody's bigger no. than Metallica. Nobody. No. Nobody ever will be either. Um, to a certain degree, they are bigger than Sabbath. To a certain degree, yes. Say. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, what you could argue it and, and, and not be incorrect. Um, but again, it was a weird ass time back then for metal bands. And the only, honestly, if you really look back at it, the only bands doing really well in the metal world were Pantera, yeah. Typo Negative, and like White Zombie. Yeah. That's it. That was it. As far as like, I'm not talking about death metal and black metal, which we were actually doing quite well in that time period that nobody seems to remember. Uh, Thrash was done and like mainstream heavy metal was done 
Unless you were Pantera, White Zombie, or Tabernacle. Yeah, and, and Pantera there. really, like, God help them, because, I mean, obviously Metallica went in a different direction. They were more of a hard rock band in the 90s. Uh, so mm-hmm. Pantera was, like, the only, like, real metal band that was out there, and White Zombie had that underground feel to it, and then, you know, Typo mm-hmm. was just, like, so different. I mean, I discovered Typo by going to a Pantera show. I didn't know who they were and I went to Pantera and Typo played. I'm like, okay, I just found my new favorite band of all time. Like, and then I went, <laughs> yes. and, saw, I went and saw them in Syracuse and you know, then crazy thing, like all those years later when we did that record with Joey Z, the, the last brand new sitting record that I did and we did it. And then we ended up having Peter. It's like just completely how we got him to sing on the record was so weird because the studio phone was ringing and Joey's studio, the one he had in the basement there in Brooklyn that got flooded and all that. And we were recording mm. there and the phone was ringing and um, Joey's like, I can't, I can't answer. You got to answer that. And I'm like, who is it? He goes, it's Peter. I'm like, Peter who? He's like, Peter Steele. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to say to Peter? You know, just answer and say hello. Cause that was when they were doing, starting to do carnivore and Joey had joined carnivore. So he's like, we got to talk some carnivore right. business. So I'm like, all right. That's so get right. on there and Pete's like, Oh, he's this is Joey. I'm like, well, it's Joe, but it's not Joey. You know, and we got shooting the shit. And then Joey gets on the phone and he's like, yeah, I'm recording this band, brand new sin. And, and you know, and I'm like, I'm like, Hey, ask Pete if he wants to sing on the record. He goes, Hey Pete, you want to sing on this record? He's like, sure. He's like, I'm like, dude, he doesn't even heard our band. He doesn't even know who we are. Wow. He's like, well, Joey, Joey said you're good. We'll, we'll, I'll be down. And like two nights later, Pete shows up, gets dropped off in a taxi, uh, you know, with like four bottles of wine and, and comes walking in, you know, he had been like, laying, oh he had been laying drywall all day. You know, motherfucker was like stinking because he had worked all day and he shows up. He's like, all right, what do you want me to do? You know? And what a great dude. All right. I'm going to make dinner. That's again. amazing. So, you know, and, um, then we, and then we get him on there and then he took a liking to us. And then we end up going on tour when they finally did the dead again tour cycle. And that's when that was like our last major, major tours with, with, it was typo Celtic frost and us. And uh, oh, wow. it was such a, such a bizarre, such a bizarre bill, but it was awesome. Us and Celtic Frost didn't really get along too well, though. Those dudes wow. did, had no idea what to do with Brand New Sin. You're like, us and the wow. guys in Typo got along great, you know? You know, we got along fucking fantastically, but the guys in Celtic Frost were like, who are these fucking guys? And we're always saying, Tom, Tom G. Warrior hated I think he hated us. He hated us. The only cool guy, I mean, we talked to Martin quite a bit. Martin was a very cool dude. You know, rest in peace, but he was a cool dude. But those those guys are like, get these fucking guys out of here. <laughs> oh, no. But, you know, yeah, Typo. Wow. But near the end of that tour, uh, Typo's um, a tour manager at the time, Meg. Uh, I can't remember Meg's last name. She's tour managed a bunch of people over the years. And mm-hmm. she come to me one day because she was always letting me use Typo in uh, dressing room to warm, do my vocal warm ups. So I'd always go in there and talk with those guys. And Meg's like, hey, um, you. Pete wants you to come up and sing. I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you mean? Winston sing? He goes, yeah, when black number one gets to the ending part, he wants you to come up. And from the rest of the tour, it was like the last, um, we were in Florida and we ended it. Uh, where were we in? in Irving Plaza? We played two nights in Irving Plaza. And he says, the yeah, rest I, of the tour. I can't believe I somehow missed that. But yeah. yeah wow. So he, he, every night I got to go up and black, black, we can go up and do that with him. And like my favorite part of that entire tour, 
uh, was the last night of Irving, the second night of Irving Plaza. And I went up on stage and mm-hmm. I'm Pete just gives me a microphone. And as I'm singing, all I feel is like him just dumping an entire bottle of wine over my head. <laughs> it's burning my eyes. And I turn around and he's laughing. I mean, dude, I mean, I loved Pete, man. And there's a, oh, a, a sub, but then I turn around and he holds his bass up. You know how he always ripped the strings off, you know, at the mm-hmm. end of the set, he let me do that. And I'm like, man, if like 20 year old Joe that went and saw Pantera <laughs> knew that I was going to be mm-hmm. doing this song with Pete and have this connection. And it was like, it was, it was amazing. And those before cell phones, like no one had up having footage of it. Yeah, yeah. And then right shortly before he died, they were doing a Jägermeister tour would hate breed and um oh crap i can't remember who else was on that bill was hate breed and those are the two headliners and uh and they were in binghamton and i went and saw the saw the show and um and i walked in back in the dressing room and pete had like two girls sitting on him and he's doing his pete thing (laughs) this is before he got this is before he had gotten sober so he was drinking and i just peeked in the dressing room and I says, hey, man. And he stood up and he literally dumps these two fucking girls off him. <laughs> and wow. they're like, hey, Pete. And, and he lost interest. And he's like, come in here. And he, and he sat down. He totally blew the girls off. And and I just sat there for like an hour drinking Jägermeister and wine and just having this amazing conversation. I'm like, man, this guy didn't have to do that for me. But that just that yeah. said volumes. And that just made me to this day just such an even bigger fan of that band. It's just knowing that you know how great all of those guys are you know especially people. that's an awesome memory man i mean um two of the guys uh in the humor are now in um they're band, in silver tomb right uh, with uh yeah silver tomb with kenny and uh johnny johnny kelly and kenny so yeah um they're actually playing that psycho las vegas uh fest at uh, the end of august which would be awesome so excited oh shit man i just realized what time does my daughter came in she's like i'm hungry i'm like why are you hungry i was like that's six o'clock i got a stream <laughs> oh, no, i got a stream i got a i got a stream at 6 30 on twitch that's how i make my living now i'm a streamer man it's fucking crazy oh no problem dude but, awesome. but yeah dude, we gotta have another conversation because we're i mean we just i when i get on here i don't have any real agenda when i do my podcast it's just a matter of just like hey let's just yap about music you know uh, and, yeah, and no, that, I and enjoyed it, man. Thank but you for sure. Plus, it was good to catch up with you, man. And next year, when we do these reunion shows, uh, Dustin and Beckerman are coming uh, for the 20th oh, anniversary. They're, they're like, all right, and and Munzee. So, like, all of you guys just gotta, you know, come up and do. Maybe I'll come up, man. Yeah, you gotta come. Fucking, you gotta come up. Wild. You know, because Dustin's be like, I'm, I'm pissed. I'm him and Munzee were supposed to come up to the last one. It didn't work out. And mm-hmm. Beckerman was shooting a movie and God knows where the fuck he was, you know, so, you know, doing, it's doing, funny. I think, I think Dustin works in the cable industry. Like I, he does so, cable, uh, cable and also, and also, uh, solar energy panels. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, wow. That's interesting. <laughs> hey, <laughs> crazy. I, I told him, you gotta do what you gotta do. Gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> All right, Mike, man, I appreciate you coming on, man. And we'll stay in touch, man. Thank you. Awesome. I had a great time, Joe. Take care, buddy. Take care, man. Bye-bye. 
these are the conversations I love to have. I hope you guys don't get bored, but I mean, like, we're just music fans, and you get to hear about these crazy things. I mean, Mike has a, a plethora of knowledge. I really do have to have him back on the podcast because you heard he was only brushing upon his long journey in this music business and being alongside of some crazy things. So we'll have him back on. Uh, God knows who I'll have on next week, man. I really appreciate you guys all listening and gals. Uh, and I'm again excited to keep you doing this podcast and again to launch the Rockin' Podcast this fall. So guys and gals, stay tuned. Lots coming. Take care. Peace. Yeah!